Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris. I'm co-founder of the online magazine, The Refined Woman, and my vision is to create a safe space where we can take off that Superman cape of having it all together and share our stories authentically and honestly. I really believe people are dying for the permission to be vulnerable, to just go there but it takes someone being willing to go there first. It's my desire to do just that and invite you and others to do the same by removing that shiny mask of perfection and courageously sharing the imperfect journeys of life, spirituality, love, business, and everything in between. Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. Obviously, I'm your host, Kat Harris. And we have my dear friend Carrie Gracie Lloyd. Wait, me too. We're just longingly looking in each other's eyes. (laughs) Our chins are on our hands. I know. And your eyelashes are so long. Yeah, because they're not real. I think I was going to ask. Like, do you use most of the hair on my head is not mine? (laughs) It's put on. Okay, is it the clip-ons? It's the tape-ins. Okay, those stress me out. (gasps) Do they? I mean. They're my least stressful option. They're tape. How do they stay in your hair? That's what's surprising about them. They do, but they also don't damage your hair the same okay. way that Can I? Can you bonds. show me? Yeah, I mean, it is disturbing. Here's the deal, though. Where you don't are, want a guy Is it running. like duct tape? Oh, I see it's it. It's duct tape. It's, yeah, it's just gaffer tape. <laughs> <laughs> it's just okay, but do you, like, go to the gym? Do you sweat a yeah, lot? Okay. sweat it out. Just and all of it. It stays in. Okay. You just don't put conditioner on the top. I mean, it's best not to look at my hair at this particular mm-hmm. moment in time because I've just watched... 50,000 miles around New York. Welcome. Manhattan. Welcome to New York. I walked nine miles yesterday. I believe it. I. That's the thing is, I'll no be like... you're so slim, oh, darling. You want to know what is funny is I say all the time, like if I ate the way I ate in LA, where it's yeah. like green juice kale salad city in New York, then I would be like 80 pounds. But in New York, yeah. I'm like, you're walking 10 miles a day. And I'm like, so give me a burger right now. And I always <laughs> want dessert. And I love French fries. And you just can. I just can't. I'm real nervous for the day when I leave. I'm just going to explode. (laughs) Because I'm so... I just... I just always have a big appetite. Spontaneously combust. You just be like... (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so you're here. We've... um, So we've been already talking for an hour, catching up. You are. Um, Yeah. Which I wanted to do that. Because I feel like, especially with... I wish I could do that with every guest. Yeah. Because it's like it's torture to me to be like, okay, all business. Let's start recording and share their, your deepest, darkest secrets. Okay, bye. Like, and you've never met them before. Yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like, it can be this weird, like... it's. I've said this before on the podcast, but it can feel like a blind date over the phone. Yeah. <laughs> so you're like... Yeah. Uh, like, you, yeah. no, you go. No, no, no. What were you just going to say? Yeah, yeah. And then you kind of get so distracted just with looking at a new person that you mm-hmm. forget about asking them the questions. Yeah. And you realize you recorded a podcast that is not relevant, nor should it be aired. Oh, that's, that's a nightmare. Yeah. No, okay, you have a podcast. I do. And I wanted to ask you, because I don't talk with a ton of other people that have podcasts. Yeah. You do a lot of solo shows. I do. I do. And I just love the sound of my own voice. I don't want anyone else to do I do, too. <laughs> I do, too. I just put yours on, and it's like the meditative story. It helps you go to bed. <laughs> yeah, you know? true. I think my voice... I actually don't think anyone actually <clears throat> listens to the content in my podcast. I think they just use it to go to sleep. Like, because it's quite... Yes, exactly. Which 
is why I don't have a guest on the show <laughs> because we, it's hard to edit out their snores over That's right, yeah. I do, I do love having guests on. I prefer yeah. having guests on. Yeah. Um, but it's A, arranging it. B, I'm traveling an awful lot more. Yeah. And normally I'm doing it in a hotel room somewhere in the quiet hours of a Sunday morning yeah. just before church. Yeah. Know? So I just, yeah. I think for me, but I mean, I, I'm always open to it. Yeah. So here's what I want to ask you yeah. is, so I'm trying to do more solo shows. Yeah. And I record them in my Brooklyn apartment. Although today we're in, we're in the Rockefeller the Center. Rockefeller Center. I, I record my podcast with like sheepskin cushions, <laughs> MDF wood, and I swear a lot of asbestos between me and fabric. That's pretty much in the attic of my home. You, we I'm looking at American flags. I'm looking at the skyscrapers of Manhattan. And this is just, this is how cat rolls. I mean, it really isn't rolls. because I don't know how this happened. It was, I don't know, miracle. But I'm usually in my apartment, like literally stuffed in my closet because I have these like. Because <laughs> it's soundproof? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's not soundproof, but it's like the quietest place. Yeah. And so I'll be doing a solo show mm. and I'm like staring at my plant, talking to no one. And I'm like, is what I'm saying making any sense? Like, did I just say the same thing 10 times in a row? Like, I get so insecure that I'm just like, uh, I just don't, I can't. So like literally half the time I'm like, Chris, just delete it. Just throw this out the window. I don't know what I'm saying. And at the end of recording, you're like, I'm terribly sorry. So sorry. Um, Producer, thank you so much for your patience. Thank you. Goodbye. You'll never get this time back. (laughs) And there's also, I mean, have you ever done radio? Have you ever been no. in a radio studio or no? That? So I hosted. I did. I was asked to be a radio DJ for a day when one radio DJ had left for the week, and so they had one guest DJ in each day. Mm-hmm. And so and this was a few years ago, and I had a couple of guests come in, and I was interviewing them on radio. But I would say there is so much going on in a radio station. I get so distracted, even if someone else's chair is. Like, I'm aware this chair is creaky, mm-hmm. so I'm trying to stay completely still. Yeah, will you hold so your I breath, too, please? You. <laughs> so I don't distract you, because I recognize any... It can totally distract you in a thread yeah, of thought. totally. It's great but you don't feel weird about, like, just talking to yourself? It did at first, yeah. but the more you do, you're like, this is how I roll now. <laughs> you're like, this is... And you're laughing then, at your own jokes. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Sometimes I have my, sometimes I do have my interns listen in. Um, one of them said, can I come and listen and just watch how you do it? And um, I said, you're welcome to, but you actually have to stay sitting in the corner and you cannot make a noise or a sound because it'll pick up so, so yeah. easily. And she, all she wanted to do throughout the entire recording was like, yeah, that's so good. Wow, oh, no. great point. Yeah, amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she was it. But instead, because she knew she couldn't, she was mouthing it. <laughs> this is awesome. We're like, get so out of here. Really great. In some ways, it was good having someone sit there because yeah. you it made you keep a focus on what yeah. you're trying to say. Yeah. Because I could go from, you know, like you're talking about an organic menstrual cup yes. to, you know, bunny rabbits and should we have them inside the house or outside the yes. house. And actually I was intending to talk about, I don't know, the financial yes. economic crisis yes. in America. <laughs> and then when someone's there, you're like, oh, my story is landing. Yeah. Like, this is a good example. <laughs> they're like, land, or they're, if they're not, they're like, land the plane. And I have this like, yeah. I like my biggest, not one of my biggest... I don't know if this is my biggest flaw, but what my editor would say this is that when I'm like writing or speaking, I yeah. love context. So yes. I'm like, 
someone's like, how's your day? And I'm like, well, it all started in kindergarten when I had that bad relationship with my teacher. And they're like, okay, that's it. Like, we don't need that much yeah, context. Yeah. So I feel like sometimes Whipple. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Just, like, and I'm talking, then I'm bored, and then I'm, yeah. The meanderings are real. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes we need the meanderings to yeah. get to the point. Just like this conversation in this episode <laughs> we've already done an hour we've already done it so today um, we're going to talk yeah so um with all this light topic i wanted to have you on here because well i adore you wisdom you I really understand. are and i want people to be soothed by <laughs> your voice and not my nasally Lloyd. <laughs> and next up on was it delilah <laughs> <laughs> um you had a podcast episode earlier this year, two of them about grief. Yeah. And I listened to them on an airplane and was in the middle seat and sobbed my eyes out. Are you serious? Yes. Oh, no. Did and you pass your napkins? No. I didn't care. No. I Well, I just, like, I don't want anyone to look at me yeah. when it, especially if I don't know the person, you know? And I'm stuck on a plane with them for seven hours. Um, and I just was so struck. And probably, I think truth resonates. Mm -hmm. um, but I have moved through one of the most painful years of my life. Um, of my, I would say my whole life, but definitely my adult life. And I haven't shared about that publicly because... I think it's super important to go through your process in real time and like teach from a place of scar, not scab. That's good. Um, so I'm not going to get into what I walked why through. Grieving. Yeah, yeah, why I'm grieving, but because um, it's not really my story to share at this mm -hmm. point. But as I was moving through this grief this year, it was just like people said the dumbest things to me. <laughs> I seriously okay. wanted to like sucker punch a girl once. Yeah, I was like, yeah. what? Is, why do you think that is a great thing to say? And then yeah. there's some people who don't say anything. And then my poor friends who saw me as like a shell of a human being, like at the gym, like, uh, I know you don't want to talk about this, but are you okay? Cause I haven't seen you blink in seven days. <laughs> and just like, I felt so known by your episode. And yeah. I think the more I've, moved through my grief over the last almost, you know, nine, 10 months now, I want to talk about it because I feel like we just don't talk about it, right? Yeah. Even yesterday, I was interviewing a girl for my podcast and she shared a super painful, like, loss in her life. And I just like, fumbled over my words, mm. even though I'm sure she's told this story a thousand times. I was like, I can't just not say, like, I'm so so sorry like yeah I don't even I can't even comprehend like what you've gone through and do you know what's interesting <clears throat> there about the grief thing is I think the reason why I'm so passionate about talking about it is because I was 23 when I first lost my dad mm -hmm. and I say first loss because I then went on to lose another four consecutive family members or friends all in really tragic accidents <sighs> or or you know cancer that just was literally four weeks and they were gone and so I, I, I was so young, no one teaches children how to grieve mm. because then shouldn't really be grieving. Um, I've said this in my podcast of like, you know, we're wide, we're wide for life, not for death. But for me, I thought, I don't understand if we're looking at the gospel, if we're looking at how Christ grieves mm. and how many times it references him weeping and mm. grieving. And I still can't get my head around why he grieved over Lazarus 
mm. when he was about to raise him from the dead. Mm. So the fact that he had still had the compassion to watch Mary cry, knowing that mm. he was literally about to raise him from the dead and watch the space sister, he still had this this mode that he can mm. understand the humanity of, of us losing and what death does to us. And I, I think for me, I, I therefore have a real soft spot for anyone that loses someone or is... And it's not necessarily just on death. Mm -hmm. It is the loss of a, a broken dream or a dream that hasn't happened yet. Um, the marriages that we thought were for life. Mm -hmm. The affairs that have just stolen everything that we ever thought we were. Mm -hmm. And so I love redemption stories, but sometimes if we don't look at the grief, then we won't have, we don't know where the Lord's going to show up because we're not honest about it. We mm -hmm. can't, when it talks about blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Well, how can we be comforted if we're not being honest about the need to yeah. mourn? yeah. And most of the time we shove it down. I was definitely this person. I was very, very busy mm. on purpose. So I wouldn't have to deal with this inner pain that I could feel swirling mm. all the time. Yeah. And I tried to fix it with a bad relationship. Mm. I tried to fix it with toxic friends or drama queen friends that mm. just always were so entertaining with the drama. I didn't have to deal with the reality of mm. my life. And so... All of that comes to a point where I'm like, gosh, it really limits your ability to grow yeah. if you can't grieve. Mm. I mean, I'm just thinking about earlier this year of me walking through some of mm. some of the grief that I had and just how I feel like our culture doesn't allow for grief. And yeah. I felt like I would be derailed by like a wave of grief. Yeah. And for me, I don't know what grief has felt like for you. It's felt mm. like a lot of different things. Anger. Mm. Yeah. Um, I like... I read C.S. Lewis as a grief observed like oh. years ago and it has like, I think I've read it like 10 times now, but wow. I've never resonated more with like his description of grief. Like yeah. when he says like, I never knew grief felt so much like fear. Yeah. And that hit me so much because I've struggled with anxiety mm -hmm. and I would be going through these moments, like either at a party or at church or recording a podcast mm -hmm. or in a cycle class and be like, I feel like I'm going to faint, like literally feeling the yeah. wave of anxiety and then recognizing, oh, this is actually grief. Like grief is literally like begging to get out of my body right now. And like, I need to stop. Um, and then allowing myself to feel whatever the thing was. A lot of times it was anger. A lot of times like just tears and sadness and confusion. But then afterwards, I'd feel like my day was totally derailed. Yeah. Because, like, my brain felt so foggy. And I can still have those moments where, like, a wave of grief will come. And I actually researched it in, like, grief brain is a thing. Yeah. Like, there's, like, baby brain or, like, people that are going through chemo have chemo brain. But yeah. something happens in our brain. And then I would be like, man, I'm having this grief. But then I feel like I don't have time to grieve because I'm running two businesses yeah. and I have a pretty public platform where I need to stop crying so that I can <laughs> get my work out yeah. there and having having a job where I'm on a lot. And so it's just made me wonder, like, how do we create a culture where we can allow people to move through grief and how do we move through grief and also keep living? You well, know. I think also the other thing is we look at grief and we and we think of someone going through a grieving time. And I'm a three on the enagram. Me not too. That I like to define myself like that, but not that I want to be defined by anything, <laughs> yeah. really. <laughs> but it's interesting. The first thing that came to mind when I thought I'm about to go through a grieving period mm. was how unproductive 
this season will be. Seriously. How ineffective I will be as a human being. Mm-hmm. How burdensome I will be on the universe. <clears throat> yes. That's how I feel. Oh, my gosh. So that's why we isolate. That's why we don't want to talk about it too much or... Well, I mean, I found myself, I would talk about the loss, but I wasn't grieving it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Totally. So I was crying it. I was chatting about it all the time, but I wasn't gutturally grieving it. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it took boredom. It took me taking myself out of the entire world, going to a random place that looks like Hogwarts for the Lord, <laughs> somewhere in the north of Wales. And it's a silent retreat, so I couldn't do anything. I couldn't watch anything. I couldn't work. I couldn't talk to people. You are with yourself. Mm. And they do actually suggest you not go too early on in the grieving process too there because it's such an intense experience mm. that it can actually be psychomatically mm-hmm. really... A, it can be... It's brilliant if you go at the right time. Mm-hmm. It can actually be more damaging if you go mm-hmm. far too early on. Mm-hmm. So there is a component that I think we only can handle what we can handle. And mm-hmm. sometimes that's why it takes someone 25 years to grieve it because yeah. it's so traumatic for them. Mm-hmm. So what do you think it looks like to create space in our lives to grieve? Like what if you can't go away for like a 10-day retreat? Yeah. What if you have to keep going to work? Like. Yeah. What I mean, everything you said about like the pr- productivity thing, like yeah. I don't know if that's because I'm an Enneagram three as well, but I mean, even I had like a wave of grief last week that felt really unexpected. Mm. And again, it reminded me of the whole C.S. Lewis. Like, yeah, he's like, you go through one valley and you're yeah. like, I've done it. Like, Ta-da. check. And then you round the curve and then there's like 30 more valleys. And yeah. you're like, wait, what? Like, yeah. really? Yeah. And I I he's felt such, this. Oh. He's such a great descriptor of grief. Oh, my gosh. And, there's some, and I, here's the beauty. One of the things, the reason why I think he did such a great jo- job of writing about grief was I think that was a huge part of his creativity. Mm. His exploration into looking at pain. Mm-hmm was for me some of the most profound, enlightened, mm-hmm. and so we're talking about productivity. I actually feel that when you bring the Lord into your pain, you actually discover parts of him you cannot discover of the Lord at any other time in yeah, your life. Totally. And with that, I mean, Oprah Winfrey has that lovely turn your wounds into, into wisdom. Mm. But I don't think you can do that unless you actually acknowledge the wounds are there in yeah, the first place. Absolutely. And so I, I think for me, I remember... I think I think even if you're in a workplace environment. Mm. So, for example, when I lost my dad, I was he died on the Saturday. I was due to work on a new job on the Monday, and so I called them up and I went in on Monday and mm. I said, "So this is the situation. My dad died very, very suddenly. I'm, I'm none, none of us were expecting this. So I'm going to need two weeks to obviously the grievance period that was in my contract. Mm-hmm. I'm going <clears> to need those two weeks." to just prepare for the funeral. They're going to have to do an inquest. So it'll probably be a two, two four weeks until mm-hmm. we come back. I come, I then go to work three days after the funeral. It's my first day. They hand over a contract that is dated from the day that I've started with them. So they didn't pay me for the two weeks of grievance. What? And I tried to raise it and it was like, no, that's, just, it kind of swept it on the carpet. And I always felt very hurt, not because I wasn't paid, but no one acknowledged that I was in so much pain mm. and I still did my job and showed up to work on the day that I said I would. And so but what was interesting is the boss that had kind of been covering the manager, mm. that he then lost his father a few years later and came up to me and said, 
we handled your grief so terribly. Mm. I'm so sorry. And it was a very redeeming moment for me because, and then I recognised people really don't understand this feeling until they've gone mm-hmm. through it, which is why people come out with such stupid things or they try and fix it or they just feel so uncomfortable in the, un- in the unhappy and in yeah. the sad that they will go, you know, whether it's, I don't know, I've heard people say to people who are dying of cancer, well, you'll be with the Lord soon. Yeah, so. you're like, cool. Like, yeah, that's great, but I want to watch my daughter go down the aisle yeah. and I want to see grandchildren. I don't mm-hmm. want to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, 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 I love the life he's given me right now. I mm-hmm. actually wanted to stay in this moment. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to see him a bit later on. I know that, you know. But it's this, it's it's other people's need to comfort themselves from our own mess they just yeah. don't know what to do with you. Mm. The way I think we cultivate it is a few things. Bosses at work need to actually understand that that you will get a much better worker and employee in your environment if you allow them to be a human being. Mm. It doesn't mean to say we take advantage of it, though. So there is is an element of ownership that everyone that is grieving almost has a plan of this is going to be my grieving plan. Mm. It sounds weird, but it's much like birthing something. You have a birthing plan. I think there's actually a grieving plan of I'm going to do an hour even if I don't feel like I'm needing to wail every day, I'm just going to process for an hour, but no more. Yeah. If I get over the hour, then I'm going to start getting into a state of introspection and depression. Mm. But if I don't acknowledge it, and I've noticed this myself, if I don't acknowledge moments of a painful season, then what can happen is I get very busy and then I get very tired. Mm. And when I get very tired, and I can then I can then have moments of depression, especially around the Christmas season when yeah. everyone stops. Yeah. So I had to start to realise that that's actually a real problem for me and I've got to really be careful of that. Mm. But as I started to learn how to do pain better and process it, write down, not just these are my feelings, mm. but also going, Lord, what did this do to my life and the people in my life? This response that I'm having, how is it affecting other people? Mm. And how do you want me to move forward? If I start asking him questions, then we actually see the light at the end of the tunnel. But it doesn't mean to say we get out of there quickly. We're always just wanting to see his wisdom and all of it. Totally. But yeah. we forget to do that. And yeah. so we run around to other people in the hope that they're going to appease us, make us feel better. Like, give me give me the quick fix. Like, yeah. let me be productive and efficient <laughs> about my grief, yeah, you know? Yeah. Like, all right, well, I did that. My grieving plan is... Yeah, I'm done, <laughs> finished, checked. Like, yeah. see, I'm the poster child. I did it perfectly. Now, do you think I'm amazing? Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. it's difficult. But I think what you're saying is so interesting, even just reflecting on... Um, this last year for myself of feeling like the least productive in my entire life. Yeah. And then being like, oh my gosh, like I, I, I am my boss. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so taking time off and then feeling guilty over it or yeah. not knowing until you're in mid conversation with the person. Oh yeah. You're actually not a safe person to be talking about this with. Um, yeah. But one thing that I experienced almost more than anything was, and it's like, it's so cliche, but it was so true of like, I just felt God so near Mm. and that the reality of like God being near to the brokenhearted was like, I felt like in my grief, I felt like God was my oxygen. Isn't it just breathtaking? Yeah, and I was like... And you can't even describe it. Just the moments he comes into it, doesn't say a word, but he's right there, the thickness Mm. of him, right in the room with you. Mm. Is the most. It is. It mm-hmm. is that gasping for the yeah. guts and air. Yeah. <laughs> in the moments of real pain, mm-hmm. and I, and I've sometimes felt him weep with me. Mm-hmm. 
just like, you know, when you've had a bad day and then you tell your friend something and she's weeping too and you're like, I feel, thanks, babe. Yeah, I you know. know, I feel so validated. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what you said was so true about creativity, mm. like creating out of pain and how yeah. imagination can be sparked through that. Yeah. Because like what I hear in that when you say that is um, like kids just you skin your knee you cry you know like you get hurt you cry like there's no shame in that and we like kids allow themselves to imagine allow themselves to play and I think there's something like so pure about that and then their imagination is like on fire you know and I feel like so much of being an adult is like and even I would say scripture points to this is like getting back to that childlike wonder, that childlike faith, that childlike trust, that childlike, well, yeah, like, I know that I can't be Beyonce, but let me just, like, pretend I am for five minutes while this song is on, while I'm dancing. Like, we, like, we shut off our heart and we shut off our process and we shut, I think we shut off God, we shut off creativity because we're like, well, that logically doesn't make sense or that wouldn't be possible And so something about, I think, connecting with grief is connecting to this, like, childlike part of us that is giving our—the child gives himself permission to feel. That's what we're doing when we're allowing ourselves to be in pain is I'm saying, like, Catherine, you have the permission to go there. And so much of our adult lives is like, well, I don't have time for that. Or that doesn't make fiscal sense or, you know, like when I was a little girl, when my mom would ask me what I wanted to be when I grew up, I said I wanted to be Gloria Estefan or Amy Grant or a professional tennis player. And I was like, she's like, well, you know, you can't like be Amy Grant. And I was like, what do you mean? I can't. Seriously, I was like, why don't you just let me dream? Um, But I just love I I love how kids are just like. No, I just, I want to be a carrot, okay? Yeah, just let I me just, be a carrot. I just really would love to be a donkey rider on the beaches of Portsmouth for the rest of my life. And that's okay. Let it, yes. <laughs> and I just wonder, like, what would happen in our lives as adults if we gave ourselves permission to yeah. go there, wherever it is. Like, I feel like so much of my work now is with single women, and there's so much shame around or shame disappointment disillusionment discouragement around dating that they won't even let their heart hope or imagine what a life with a partner could look like because they're just like i i can't even go there yeah and i feel like when we do that we stunt ourselves okay all my single ladies listen up Raise your hand if dating as a single woman of faith in today's swipe right, swipe left culture has been a struggle fest. I've experienced it at all from being stuck in the friend zone like it was my job to my dating life looking like the Sahara Desert to awkward setups to heartache to being ghosted and pretty much everything in between. But you know what I've discovered? It doesn't have to be this way. Truly. I know you're like, cat. you don't know me, you don't know my story and you're right. 
but I know mine and I know what it's like to feel hopeless in this area of my life. And I know what it's like to move into my season of singleness and dating with hope and clarity and practical tools and freedom. And over the last few years, I've literally journeyed with thousands of women all over the world and walking into more freedom and purpose in their dating life. So I created a free guide for you to help you jumpstart your dating life and get unstuck. It's called Six Tips to Activate Your Dating Life. You can grab it for free at bit.ly slash TRW dating tips. In this guide, I will teach you the biggest mindset shift that will transform how you show up in your dating life. And then I'm gonna show you how to get unstuck in your relationships. I know you wanna meet a quality guy, but it's like, how, right? I got you, girl. Then the number one thing you can start doing today that will radically transform your season of singleness. And lastly, the three things I wish someone would have told me 10 years ago about dating. This guide is for you if you're a woman of faith that longs for a meaningful relationship but have no idea how to get there. Is that you? Then go ahead and go to bit.ly slash TRW dating tips and grab my free guide, six tips to activate your dating life. Without question. And also, I mean, I'm very much believe, you know, I think the beauty of faith or having faith the faith, faith is evidence of things unseen. Yeah. This, for me, on the hope side of things, I actually had to grieve, talking about grief of, of dreams, I had to grieve not having children in my early 30s. Mm. And I'm 39 now. So I probably, in a period when I was about 36 or 37, I was a pastor at Bethel. I had a lot of students that would come up to me all day, every day, going, I see you in a wedding dress, he's coming soon. Everyone was just mm. desperately wanting to see this dream for me as much as I did. But because of the repetition of that, it felt like I wasn't allowed to grieve the things that I needed mm. to grieve. Here's what was beautiful about it though. I would say in the grieving process, I discovered that I was still alive, the world's mm. still spinning, I'm still actually useful. Mm. And I think we have this inner deep thing of, if I'm not a mother and if I'm not a wife, am I actually, was I actually, am I, am I allowed to be on earth? Yeah. You know, mm. I know we have this hardcore feminism these days and we have a lot of, no, you don't have to have children, you don't have to be married. But there is an inner wiring that just, for many of us, we want to have an intimate mm. relationship where we can just love someone unconditionally. Yeah. And we have to be very careful of doing that with anyone else yeah. outside of a spouse. So, for me, I, of course, we love people unconditionally, but I just mean in the sense of intimacy on the depth that you can go to yeah. with covenant. But I, I actually really found the grieving process almost a release mm. that I can now, I can, there was an acceptance in where I was at, which was, okay, no, I'm not going to have children in my mm. early 30s. But the beautiful thing is there are many, we just don't know what's happening tomorrow. Yeah. And we don't know what's coming around the corner. And if I didn't grieve, then I didn't then I didn't have the space to then process how to bring back hope. Mm. And my hope had to stop relying on good guys around me or good marriages around me. I had to look at the hope of my Lord. Yeah. And I had this gorgeous student who was 19. I say gorgeous because he had one of those faces that looked like an 80-year-old man, you know, when they're just really warm and friendly. Aww. I could see how he was going to be when yes. he was 19. Oh, I love that. Those kind I love of faces. when you like see a four-year-old and you're like, Oh, yeah. I know what you're going to look like. You're going to have a pint. You're going to have grandkids. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. So anyway, he lost his father to brain tumor over the year that I was pastoring mm. him. And 
But I've never seen a kid do grief as well as he did,、mm. which made me go, "If he can do it, it means it very young." I wish I, I wish I'd been him basically when I lost my、yeah. dad, but I wasn't like him. <laughs> and he was teaching me stuff in my thirties、mm. as a nineteen-year-old. And so I said to you know, and of course, losing his father was very close. I told him, "Look, just go home, take as many absences as you need. I、mm. care about you being with your dad right now." He wanted to stay here and obey the school system and to make sure. But at the same time, he knew the heart to want to be with his family, so would go back and forth quite quite a lot over this duration. And his father, albeit having a brain tumor and 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 it was progressively getting worse, people that were coming to see him in his bed were being healed by him. So he, because of his hope in the Lord instead of his circumstance, he was still. Actively having faith for healing, even if it wasn't showing up his own, in his own life, everyone that everyone that came to visit him were getting healed, and this is the beauty of grief: that if you are so aware and alert to the Lord in your life, you will not shut off helping other people in it. And so that for me was the the newness of of a new type of grief, of how our Lord could grieve at the same time still pouring into other people, and if anything. You're using it as a fantastic because the enemy always wants to try and make you always. Do you ever notice that if someone goes through a divorce or has a bad experience with leadership or they've just had a tough time with tragedy, the next thing to go will be the question of their faith. They'll start to really question the goodness、mm. of God. They question whether they really believe in this good God that we've they've been singing about、yeah. over and over again. And I think it's all right to ask those questions. As long as we don't stay there for too、mm. long, because it, that therefore meant that our that our belief in God was based on our circumstances.、Mm. When you look at Joseph and all of these incredible characters in the Bible that had the worst life, like the timelines of their life is、mm. just like my gosh. You, you, Joseph could easily have gone. Okay, look, I'm in prison. My brothers are into slavery. Now the master that I work for, his wife has accused me of sexual assault, and now I'm back in prison again. And I just, it's just continuous. But he didn't want to go. Why is the Lord not doing anything for me?、Mm. He recognised where the Lord was going to show up in these moments of pain and grief. And therefore, because of what he built in his character through grief, he ended up leading an entire country out of famine. Wow. So for me, and there's there's a link there between grief and the famine of the people around you. Yeah. And I I my heart now is not so much. I want a happy life. The pursuit of happiness is the pursuit of glory. That's not actually true.、Mm. I'm very willing to suffer for my Lord because He suffered for me, and that's that's true romance as far as I'm concerned.、Mm. But also, it's a privilege to suffer for Him.、Mm. And if And if I have to go through grief, I hope that I do it with nobility. I hope that I do it with a conscious conversation that is never attacking the goodness of my Lord, but just asking questions with Him. How do I do this now?、Mm. I trust that there's a reason why you did not save my dad,、mm-hmm. but yet at the same time, I will never know that answer this side of heaven.、Mm-hmm. Until that day, how do I steward myself well so that other people don't have to deal with my hurt in the、mm-hmm. sense of I have unhealthy relationships、mm-hmm. or I'm Taking advantage of affections from people that、mm. when I when I don't actually want to have anything long term with them,、yeah. which is what I was doing in my twenties.、Mm. So it's honestly, I feel like this little component about grief and pain. If we can crack this little number,、mm. the entire Christian movement would be a different thing, and the world would look at Christians going, "They do this really well."、Yeah. 
I wish we could t- talk to them about how they do yeah. this. What is it about you? Because you, I don't know whether you notice, but anyone that doesn't believe in God, when you're a Christian and you're surrounded by a bunch of unbelievers, they will only look at you when times are tough. They mm. won't look at when things are going great because everyone's fine when everything's going great. They want to see how you can steward your faith in a really tough time. Yeah. And I was terrible at it. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> But when I actually started asking questions in the grief, because I gave myself space to grieve, mm-hmm. then that's a different. Now, now I'm starting to hear from the Lord on stuff that I actually have so much more peace, even in even in the grips yeah. of grief. Yeah, I wonder if we're afraid to grieve as people of faith or who have any sort of like conversation with God, yeah. um, because we're like. Like if we admit that things, Am I blasphemous on yeah. Level? yeah, yeah. <laughs> if I admit that I'm having a hard time, then like, then I'm like not, I'm not able to believe in God as well. Because I think right. we, but I think what that is is like a flattened way of ex, like existence. Because it's yeah. saying like, life is right or wrong, good or evil, happy or sad, mm. and you believe in God or you don't believe in God. Yeah. And I the more I kind of step into speaking out about some of this stuff, the more I see, oh, I I have empathy now for why leaders and teachers and pastors want to make things black and white. Like, you're either happy or you're sad. Like, it's either painful or you're not. Like, because that's easier to teach. It's easier to teach from a pulpit. It's easier to give a five five steps to move through grief, like five steps to find your husband, five steps to whatever. But, like, life is actually really gray. Mm. And what I have discovered and experienced is that God is, I've found God in the gray. Mm, You know, like I believe who, like the existence of God to me, my relationship with Jesus is real. And that is like a black and white experience in my life. But like, he is not afraid of nuance. He is not afraid of life being painful and joyful and feeling like you're so depressed you can't get out of bed and then you watch a funny TV show and laugh. Like, like I just think that like Jesus is in the space of the gray and we don't have to be afraid of that. And I wonder if we could get there with pain. Yeah. Like, I am happy and sad. Yeah. Like, because of course we then feel guilty, if, especially in, in grief of a, of a loved one. We feel guilty if we laugh or find something funny mm-hmm. in the early periods of grief because we thought, you know, I shouldn't, I shouldn't, be, I shouldn't, be, shouldn't be laughing in this moment at that joke on Friends. <laughs> should be, you know, we start to. One of the things you mentioned something earlier about feeling bad of being in a grieving season. I think mm-hmm. I'm paraphrasing you, but I read an article not too long ago that talks about how self compassion is one of the main components that makes people successful. Mm-hmm. And it's actually one of the most rare components you'll find in people because we were the should things, the feeling that we should be doing this. And mm-hmm. we do it especially in grief because it's part of our control. If we know how to control our grief and mm-hmm. how to do our grief well, then great, we're all in, we're all in this together. And mm-hmm. I often see a lot of people go into forms of control when they mm-hmm. start grieving. Yeah. Um, and that for me actually means we, we've capped mm-hmm. our ability to be, to let it all out, to mm-hmm. be just completely liberal in in our space of what that looks like there have been times where i rock up to a friend with a baseball bat because i know that something tragic has just happened i get them into the car we go to a field and i'm like let it out and let it out now one of my students was just, like with them hitting like yeah just like treat, windshield just out. <laughs> yeah yeah other cars <laughs> like the beyonce music yeah. video <laughs> yeah the fire hydrants yeah. just spraying yes. And then I'm making my music videos. Yes. 
You were like, I actually produced that Beyonce music video. That was my idea. The stages of grief. But actually, that's a great... The Lemonade film is a great example. So glad you finally brought her up. (laughs) (laughs) I remember watching it with a girlfriend who'd gone through something very similar to what Beyonce had gone through. And... I was just watching her weep throughout the Mm. entire thing. And the catharticism, because Beyonce had been brave enough to poetically... It was a a poetic press statement of what had happened to their marriage. But the different stages of grief that Mm. she formats in that Mm. lovely lemonade film. I don't necessarily recommend that everyone should watch it if they're sensitive to things. But I I do actually feel Mm. like it was the most beautifully poetic experience of grief. Mm -hmm. And the navigations of healing as well. Yeah. And if she hadn't been honest with herself, we wouldn't have many other women, I'm, I'm sure, that have just watched that going, oh, you too? Yes. Oh, my gosh, you too? I didn't yes. know. Mm. And what what I love about the grief process, mm. or not, I can't say I love about the grief process. It's um, just fun. It's just all fun. It's so fun. I love it. <laughs> um, it's super good for my dating life. <laughs> Like just crying a into real drag. Starter. Oh yeah, they're like, like the miserable appetizer. That girl. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like this part of you know Beyonce's whole thing, like is going through you know the denial, the anger, the betrayal, like all these different emotions, and then the reconciliation comes. And there's a line that says, um, "Now that reconciliation is possible, if we're gonna heal, let it be glorious." Yeah. And I mean, Ooh. I just have like goosebumps Feeling even it. thinking of that because I'm just like, yeah, like the thing is, is like when you're in the midst of it and you keep going around new valleys and all you mm. see is more and more grief, like it feels like this hopeless pursuit. But like on the other side of grief is reconciliation, is mm. restoration, mm. and we have to move through that. Yeah. Like there's no shortcut through it. Yeah. So I'm curious, just sort of trying to wrap it up yeah. a little bit of that idea of like kind of coming to the end of that road and restoration mm. and allowing yourself to move forward. Like, what do you think that looks like? What sort of timeline do you think wow. is is Gosh. for a person to get to that place? How long is a piece of string? I think, yeah. I think <laughs> a lot of it is actually... I found myself in the grieving process these days. I grieve pretty quickly mm. because I've worked so hard on doing it well. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So um, I think when you... I, you know, I, I've spent six, seven years avoiding the grief of my father. Mm-hmm. And when I, but at that point where I was burning out, getting chronic fatigue, my body was physically dying because I just, you know, and the heart holds on to grief until mm-hmm. you actually process it, yeah. which is why people have it 30 years down the yeah. line or PTSD yep. comes out. Mm-hmm. I found the more I look at not being frightened of those seasons, but going, wow, what an, this is going to be a really fascinating opportunity to, A, build more trust with my heart. Because my heart and I have got a much better relationship now. It sounds so american A lot of my British friends are like, oh, here she goes. Um, <laughs> but I'm not actually... her heart again. Going <laughs> to bring out her crystals or what? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So they... There, there is this thing where I do talk to my, my heart a little bit like a little girl. Someone might say something just jarring in the middle of a corridor. And I'm like, oh, that hurt, didn't it? Mm. And um, I'll go, yeah, a little bit. Okay, well, we'll talk about it later. Not right now. 
but we'll talk about it because we're in the middle of a meeting. Like that's all. That's an internal dialogue that I have mm. in my head. And so a bit later, it may not. It may have all just been like, well, that was unnecessary. And then we just, I don't even think mm. of it. There might be something that, that something was triggering a, a piece of grief that I hadn't mm. processed properly. And so I just have a little chat with the Lord. Normally, I don't have to go and have a reconcile mm. reconcile conversation with the other person. I've figured out why they said it. I've got his angle, as in the Lord's angle, on that situation, which is always a different perspective to mine. Mm. And and then I'm like, oh, okay. And, I, and then I come to compassion. So when you start to get to compassion for yourself and for the other person, that's, and I, I literally just did a podcast about wisdom. Mm. I think at the end of compassion comes wisdom. Mm. And then you actually respond in ways that not only are you like, yeah, that felt good, but you actually feel proud of yourself mm. for responding in a way that didn't hurt anyone else. And when you start to do that, then the process of, of pain actually becomes much less daunting because all you know it does is actually builds your character and grows you into more maturity. Um, it made me less entitled mm. because I was expecting the world to fix me. Mm. Um, and it made me feel much more powerful. So I think when you have those at the end of the line, knowing those are the things that I'll get out of this, then the process is a lot quicker. Sometimes depending on the layers of grief that you're talking about. Sometimes it can be just one layer of grief on something. But of course, there's the process of bargaining. You have the bargaining that Christ did in the Garden of Gethsemane just before he was about to be crucified. He bargained with God to see if there's any other way we could do this. Mm. So I, I'm so grateful for that scene being recorded in the, in the Bible because I go to that often. Mm. The same with Job and his grief of all the things that he had. I'm so grateful for them putting the book of Job in because even the advices and counsellors that he had were incorrect. Mm. So be very wary about who you get advice from. I have a very tight committee of people, probably that I could only count no more on two hands, that I will go to that will have different angles but they normally come out with the same answer mm -hmm. because they've all got similar core values mm -hmm. and the fruit of their life is very very good um so the pros how long does it take a piece of string especially if you're new to this game mm -hmm. but the kinder you are to yourself in the process so i mean you know another another sweet friend of mine lost his mother the other day and he's like i just don't want to be a burden in this mm -hmm. and i'm not i and i said to him i know that you're going to do that because you're the comedian you're the funny one and now you're going to be worried that no one will want to be around you because they're about to see the rawness of you losing your mum. And I said, but please, when I come back to California in a couple of weeks' time, come over to my house and just cry it out, yeah? And just, well, I'll cry with you. We'll just do it together. And you can come over to my house as many times as you need to do that because it's the safest place, perhaps, that you feel you can because I'm like a mum to him kind of thing. And he just went, oh, thank you. And I think even just that permission and that self-compassion of like, I'm allowed to. Oh, yeah, you're allowed to. Then it's really beautiful to see the release and the freedom yeah. of levels that they come to. Mm. I went on for a long while on that oh, one. Oh, that was really good. But, and I think that's a, I feel like obviously this is not a conversation that's yeah. 45 minutes and one yeah. and done. And yeah. you're listening if to this. Only. Yeah, if only, right? <laughs> well, if you listen to this. Well, and that's why I'm going to promote this podcast. If you listen to this one podcast, your <laughs> grief will be done. No more pain for the rest of your life. Um, but it's just, it's not like that. And yeah. I think, you know, it, it's almost like even just like ending a conversation on grief is like ending with like an ellipsis, like, yeah. or like a dot, dot, dot of this is where we're at. And 
like what you said, it can be as long as a string or yeah. it can be six months or two years or 30 years. Or, yeah. But I, I wonder if, if we gave ourselves the permission to fully move into yeah. it, like yeah. if the freedom would be closer than we, than we expected. And then there's just a final thing as well. Sometimes we use that as an excuse to just be continually miserable mm. and get everyone else to fix us mm-hmm. and help us and be compassionate towards us. There comes a point where we actually have to have a little bit of self-discipline going, yeah. we're not going over that again, we already have. Yeah. And I'm not going to dread something that hasn't happened yet. That's right. And so... There is that too. Mm. The current generation isn't very good at being autonomous or taking ownership. Mm. The statistical data that's shown because of all the tech stuff and lawnmower parenting, the helicopter parenting that we've done, the generations coming up are not very good at taking ownership. Mm. And they're hoping someone else is going to fix that stuff. But that's the part that we need to teach. And it's not their fault. We just, we never taught them. Right. But if we start to, I think it'll be pretty powerful to Mm. watch a generation that could be better than we were. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Um, <laughs> Carrie, you have books you're writing and that you've written. I read, I read, I think, your first book, The Prude Book. Oh, yeah, The Prude was so my good. first American book. The so Virgin good. Monologues was my UK yeah. version of that. Mm-hmm. And then my third book comes out in April 2020. Uh, maybe that's we should, soon. Maybe we, give, maybe we try and do a little giveaway or something on your... Yes. We'll have you... So well, I'm very excited about your book, so let's have you back and we can talk let's about the book. Sh- yes, please. Yeah. I maybe I like need it. to come to Bethel because I've never It's all about the there. husband I found. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> ten steps. If you follow these ten steps yeah. and if you read Carrie's book, you will meet your person. And the ten children I had in one year. Yeah. Supernatural beds. <laughs> oh my gosh, so good. And it's called God is Good. God is Good. Amen. <laughs> um, Carrie, where can people find you? Oh, um, my podcast is called The Carry On Podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean. And then um, I have a website called live. Wait, it's called dot dot dot? It's called dot dot dot. Wait, what? It's like, I'm so confused. Because you can tell I'm really bad at promoting myself. You were like red I'm and like uncomfortable. You're like, oh, oh. This is why I like other people to do these things. www.carrylloyd.live. Oh, it's so uncomfortable. See, yeah, I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Cool. And I'm going to also put your, um, you have a two-part series on grief on oh, your yeah. podcast. Oh, yeah. I'm going to link them in my show notes. Yeah, so. how we should be with other people and how to grieve ourselves. Yes. And how to love God. So how to love helpful. God in our grief. Well, yeah, that That's was a right. big one. That was a big one, too. Yeah. All right, I love you, girl. Love you, sweet Bless you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Refined Collective Podcast. If you are new here, maybe you've listened for a long time and there's topics, questions, comments, concerns that you have about what we're up to, follow us on Instagram, The Refined Woman. Send me a DM and I will get back to you and let me know what you want to hear about. Let me know what you want to talk about and I would love to make that happen for you. Have such a fabulous day. (laughs) Bye.